0: Hey guys, welcome back to Lords of Order, episode 50. Woo! A Doctor Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. If you want to leave feedback, you can send it to the Doctor Fate podcast at gmail.com. Leave comments at the website, slash Doctor Fate, or comments on the pages for Lords of Order on Google Plus and Facebook. Yes, indeed, episode 50. Of the Lords of Order podcast. No foil cover, no embossed, no die cut, nothing like that. Just a new episode. DC 2000 issue number two, the culmination of the story, is the book this episode. This uh, story, DC 2000, were prestige formats, 64 pages each. So it was a special... Uh, one-time story that they put out there. I don't know if they really played off of it too much. I can't imagine the Justice Society does because their involvement of the story comes to a rather finite conclusion by the end. So we'll see if it's referred to again after this. As with last issue, the story opens this time on July 1st, 1941, the next day from the first issue, with a young, young, young T.O. Morrow, trying to command his robots to get rid of the soldiers, and getting violently upset when the robots don't do as they're told. Like, angry, nasty, red face mad. Be- beyond what a child his age should get mad. Then we jump to July 1st, 2000, which is the older T.O. Moro, who is the despot of, I. it appears to be the world of that era. And he is conversing with his computer, but he has a cold. And he's having a hard time with the cold, and the computer keeps asking him what he wants. And finally, he just says, for you to cure the damn cold. The computer does a little bit of research and tells him, introduce a microwave oven to Bethesda Naval Hospital 1941. The intervening history will prevent your illness. He just kind of looks at the computer. And then the next couple panels we see he is holding uh, someone in charge at the hospital hostage by gunpoint. A coffee cup is in a microwave that finishes cooking. He hands the cup to this person, a general, perhaps, an admiral, whatever it is. says, touch it. And the guy says, I can't see what this has to do with, ah, it's boiling hot. But it was only in there for a minute. How did you do that then it cuts back to 2000 and Moro is speaking correctly he wasn't speaking correctly because he had a stuffed up nose previously now ah it's so good to be able to breathe good work Moro and Moro is o dot 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 w dot name of the computer I suppose any unintended consequences of that time edit just one. Premature marketing of the poorly tested cold vaccine caused a global epidemic of birth defects. And Morrow just looks at the camera and says, Is that all? So, wow, quite the despot. And again, we have an image here of the four members of the year 2000 Justice Society. They are Courtney Whitmore, the Star-Spangled Kid, Kendra Saunders, Hot Girl, Albert Rothstein, Adam Smasher and Jay Garrick, Flash. They're all being held captive. And as Jay is considering what has befallen his team, some really weird physical transformations are going on with the teammates. I guess as a result of Moro's tampering with the future. I'm not sure I understand entirely, but there's some really horrific physical transformations. All right, we cut... To July 1, 1941, at the War Department Research Facility number no. 23 in Bethesda, Maryland. Justice Society members are there, having taken to the research facility the items that the Justice League had collected, the future items, that were in the green flame treasure chests. And the Justice Society has turned them over to the federal government for research. We're going through them, you know, looking at various things. Flash just is not comfortable. He doesn't think that it's right to take this future technology, no matter what the reason, and to be investigating it to parse it out to his his timeline, his world. Dr. Midnight disagrees. The two nearly come to blows. Flash decides that since none of the other Justice Society members agree with him. And at this facility are Starman, Dr. Midnight, as I said, Hawkman, Hawk Girl, and Green Lantern, Alan uh, Scott. So the Flash decides to just leave. They're not going to agree with him. He can't get anything done. He doesn't like what's going on, so he just leaves. He resigns as chairman and whooshes out. Green Lantern, Alan Scott starts berating Dr. Midnight. Flash is a good man, the best. We might have come to some agreement if you hadn't constantly needled him. Hawkman says, you cost us our leader. And you see a Thinking Midnight panel, and then the next panel, if if that's true, then I have to make it up to you. I'll join the Justice Society. I'll be your leader. And the next panel are the other four members looking surprisedly at the smug, arms crossed his chest, looking Dr. Midnight. We now are... Um, somewhere, I think, maybe the Justice Society's brownstone. Dr. Fate and the Spectre are having a conversation. What confuses me is this one panel that has Fate and Spectre on opposite sides of the panel... And their room that they're in is different from each other. So I don't know if they're conversing psionically from different parts of the building or or what's going on exactly. But Fate says, uh, excuse me, Spectre says, the matter is settled, Doctor. Fate responds not to me. When the JLA tried to confiscate the future machines from us, they were simply protecting the air. What right do we have to imprison them to avert the future they came from? Spectre responds, We can do better than their bleak future. You saw all the ways it rewards evil. But don't they have a right to shape their own morality consistent with their own time? What an appalling question. Of course not. Even your own creed is built on solid, unchanging tenets, if misguided ones. But I get to decide for myself which. For how long? How do you think these sinners will treat spiritual sinners in the year 2000? You speak as if our culture respects my faith. I can handle being an outsider. I sense you're close to a woman who's beginning to adopt your beliefs. Shall we condemn Inza to their valueless world? Well, and then we cut to the sphere containing the Justice League, where they're all using their various powers and whatnot, except for a uh, very distraught Aquaman to try to get out of the bubble. Aquaman is suffering uh, at this point because he hasn't been in water for way too long. Martian Manhunter is suffering because of the level of anxiety that everyone else is psychically releasing. Uh, He's actually having to use telepathic shielding to try to keep that away, and it's not working very well because there is so much anxiety around. Superman and Flash come up with a plan. But before we can hear about it, we cut to Jay Garrick Flash. Uh, That's Batman and Wally West Flash. Uh, Jay Garrick Flash is running around town thinking about things, thinking about how to do something. He realizes that a lot of this has to do with or hinges around the young T.O. Morrow from their time. So he rushes off to visit once again with Morrow. We cut to... The location just outside of the All Star Squadron's headquarters, where the world of tomorrow uh, is being packed up and carted off, the remnants of the World's Fair. And here is the Adam, Al Pratt, Iron Man, and Sandman. So they're investigating what is here. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why. But they're here nonetheless. So they're looking around, seeing different things, robots and whatnot. They find a false wall, break through it, and they find even more advanced uh, machinery and knickknacks and whatnot. While they're investigating, a robot that they passed outside that looked like a display starts attacking them. So apparently it was a guardian. They defeat the robot and and rip it apart. They dismantle it in defeating it, releasing a host of much more advanced-looking, multi-tentacled robots that attack and seem to be on the verge of subduing our three heroes until, with a croom and a swoosh, we have this force running around destroying the robots... And when the force stops, we see that it's Jay Garrick Flash. Uh, They thank him. They apparently are of the same thinking that the Justice Society members at the Research Institute are. So when Jay realizes that, he rushes off to continue going about his own mission. You know, his mission, his way. Well, unfortunately, he's stopped by the Sandman who deploys his sleeping gas and knocks Flash out. So they gather up the Flash, gather up these new, new advanced things that they have, place them on the Justice Society airship, and heave ho. Cut back to the Justice League, where we see that Batman and Flash's idea is that Batman antagonize the Spectre to get the Spectre to focus on him and him alone, giving the others a chance to escape. Well, when he realizes that, Superman says, he'll be focused on you. He won't let you escape. You go. I'll do it. And Batman says, you? Superman, your consciousness couldn't threaten a kitten. And Superman says, well, I'll back you up. Wally, if this works, leave me here. And they go on with their separate assignments. Finally, Batman does get through... To the Spectre. The Spectre breaks through the, gla- the the energy sphere and grabs Batman with one hand. Superman jumps up, grabbing a hold of Spectre's fists. Martian Manhunter, Adam Ray Palmer, Flash, Wally West, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, and Aquaman all get away. They get away going through a portal back to the JLA headquarters that was in 2000 which apparently is underwater. They run into Steel, who is a member at this time, and the android Hourman, who is disassembled, being working, worked on by Steel. They throw Aquaman out into the ocean so that he can recover. The time, because of what Tio Moro is doing, uh, Atlantis has been trashed, and Arthur goes out and sees that, And it just spurns him on to come back. He rips a flag off of the uh, conquering post that's been set in Atlantis and goes back to the JLA headquarters. We see that the flag is revealed as the JSA logo of the 2000 era JSA. Actually, it's the same logo they use on their comic book. But the current incarnation, or current at this time, 2000, JSA is different from what it was in the comic book now because of the tampering of T.O. Back to the Spectre who is torturing Batman and Superman, uh, just flat out. Dr. Fate tries to talk sense into the Spectre, but the Spectre will have nothing of it. He continues torturing him and finally turns Batman and Superman into fossils um, because they come from the future. They're fossils. I'm not sure I get that connection but that's the way the specter made it seem that his his line of thinking was going in turning them into fossils. Fate continues to, you know, try to speak for them. We cut to several news reports where we see the results of all the things that the US has been uh doling out as far as the future technologies. Tamara and tio are the young tio are watching the news reports when flash Jay Garrick decides to show up he goes in talks to them tells them that he believes that a large part of what's going on is is their fault and Tamara is much taken aback by that we cut to 2000 where the elder tio Moro is talking to a, an and Accomplice of his, or no, uh, just a doctor, Dr. Seeley, who is at the Ivytown Medical Center, because T.O. is handing over a DVD that contains the complete human genome decoded on it. This way, uh, T.O. can further his ruling of the earth because now they can genetically manipulate and have whatever kind of product he wants. At this time, Our Man, Hawkman, Dr. Midnight, I imagine Hawkgirl somewhere, but I don't see her, breaks into Morrow's future place. They steal the Genome DVD and beat feet onto their airship back to, I'm assuming, 1941. T.O. MORO has a conversation with his computer trying to suss out what he can do now, but computer tells him it's too late because the JSA have arrived, the new year 2000 JSA, okay? Because the JSA was Star-Spangled Kid, Adam, Hawk Girl, and The Flash that has been held captive. Now, because of Morrow's tamperings, uh, the JSA is all of these... I guess genetic duplicates of the various members that we have seen of the Justice Society all souped up and hopped up with different combinations of powers. But you can still recognize that it looks to be um, Hawkmen, uh, Spectre-Fate combinations, a Dr. with um, a Starman combination, a souped-up Flash, a souped-up Hour Man. I don't know if I said our Man. So it's kind of combos of some of them, but all of them are hyped up. They break in. They miss grabbing Moro. He escapes into a time uh, vortex. You know, he's going somewhere else in time. Dr. Fate via a scrying sphere that he has, is watching this transpire in hour 1941. While wow, this time jumping around, it's getting really confusing to try to say and keep straight. The current JLA have gotten together, and with the direction of the android hour man, who is keeping track of all the changes that are occurring in the time stream, they jump on the treadmill Powered by the Flash, Wally West, and go back in time to somewhere. Well, I don't know. They go somewhere. They could go to an alternate, the alternate dimension where Morrow is, or they could go back in time to 1941. We don't know yet. In our in in 1941, we have the Justice Society of America jet that is flying around. That is the airship that they're referring to the Justice Society is there with the fossilized Batman and Superman JLA members looking at this disc that they just got and amazed when they realize what it is and what they could do with it. With a warning from Spectre, you're talking about setting yourself up as a higher power. The mysteries of birth are not the provenance of the flawed human species, says the Spectre. Dr. Fate appears as after having watched what transpired in the future Teo Morrow's controlled future. So he has news of what things will be like, and he starts to free Batman and Superman from the fossilization that they underwent due to Spectre. Spectre attacks to prevent that from happening. A fight ensues. Fate tells Spectre that he's seen where this is going. Spectre agrees to free these two men. Everyone is gathered by Dr. Fate, including the JLA's Batman and Superman, and he transports them to the Moro future of 2000, where this future version of JSA apparently is not only attacking T.O. Moro, but is attacking the population of the city as well. So we have a big fight that ensues in the midst of this big battle. The JLA from 2000 arrive also in this alternate future of 2000. We see that Teo Moro when he escaped from his future, where he controlled everything, he went back to the only past. There's only been one 1941 year, so he went back to his past, and in order to set things differently, to set himself on a different path, he decides that he has to make himself an orphan, so he has come back to kill his mother. 2000 JLA 1941 Justice Society, teamed together to attack the 2000 Justice Society. Um, some battles won, some battles lost lost the heroes of the Justice Society and Justice League after getting rid of all the future Justice Society uh, replicants, if I can throw out another popular culture reference there, attack Moro's computer to prevent any other tampering of time from this particular point in time. In 1941, Jay Garrick, who was subdued by Morrow when he appeared, because, remember, Jay Garrick was visiting the young Morrow and his mother first, revives and starts talking the elder Morrow down from doing what he was going to do. Ultimately, he talks him down, and the two of them disappear. The Combined Justice Society, Justice League... Hero Force defeats the computer and the remnants of the 2000-era Justice Society replicants are reduced to toy soldiers by the Spectre, who just finally had enough and put the big old super whammy on all of them. Flash and the elder Tio Morrow emerge from the midst of the remnants of this computer, so we're now all together the JLA-JSA, and the Elder Moro. Everyone together now using the remnant of the time machine that they left assembled there in T.O. Moro's future. They start hopping around 1941 collecting all of the misplaced time devices. No matter what the device is, no matter what it does, they're going through and they're collecting everything. Uh, they The Justice League checks in with the android, Our Man. He gives them the all-clear, all-time aberrations, or he refers to it as chrono aberrations, are gone. They've all been erased. Everyone says their thanks, good jobs, goodbyes. The JSA returns to 1941, Brownstone. The JLA returns to 2000 with T.O. Morrow In tow, and they put him in a prison where he meets and has a brief conversation with Professor Ivo that doesn't go as Ivo expected. I'm sure that's significant somehow, but I'm not overly familiar with exactly how it's going to be significant. And there ends the year 2000's JLA-JSA Two Worlds crossover. I don't know if they did it in any other book, but that's what it feels like. Prestige format, two-volume. Decent story. Not the best story. Not enough fate. Uh, I probably shouldn't have covered it for the podcast, but I did anyways. Next time out will be the aforementioned All-Star Squadron 23. That will be, hopefully, a story that uh, finishes up storylines that I talked about with Episodes 47 and 48. I will see you guys then for Issue 51. Episode 51, excuse me. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production. And as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0 unported license.